You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome on into your Tuesday Locked On Syracuse podcast, Tyler Aki and Tim Leonard, jam-packed show for you today. We've got a lot to get to because we've got hoops, we've got football stuff, and we're going to break down a lot of things that happened over the weekend too that weren't from the football game. So we're going to get into some basketball stuff, including some Dior Johnson news. And we also have a point to award out in the scoop standing. So we will get to that <laughs> later on in the show. One of our favorite things to do here on the Locked on Syracuse podcast. If you are new to the show, thanks for stopping in. We, we're glad to have you. And also be sure to subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff, because we'd love to hear from you. If you've got any topics you want to shoot our way, you want us to talk about some certain things, you want us to survey out to the Orange Nation right now, hit us up on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. And you can find myself at Tyler Aki underscore and Tim at Tim underscore Leonard four. So we start with football stuff here, Tim, because... Dino Babers had his weekly press conference yesterday, and you knew he was going to get asked about the quarterback. Oh, yeah. It seemed like it took a little bit to finally get there. But here we are. And at the end of the the presser, I I don't know if they were trying to warm him up a little bit so he would give more honest answers and, and maybe feel a little more comfortable answering about the quarterbacks. But it was a lot of the same stuff that we could expect. A lot of coach speak there. We're going to evaluate. We're going to continue to evaluate. It's going to be a good week of practice, and we'll see where we go from there. But you know how how we feel about the quarterback situation. It's time to give Jacoby and Morgan the time to shine now. And he wouldn't address the depth of knowledge that Jacoby and Morgan has of the playbook. And I don't know how I necessarily feel about that because... Sure, Jacobian did it against the second stringers of Wake Forest's defense, but at the end of the day, he entered this year somewhere between third and fifth string on the depth chart at the quarterback position. And the drop-off between a first string and even a second string quarterback to the third through fifth is much, much steeper than it is for anyone on the, the second string defense. So that's why I'm a little more encouraged about the prospects of Jacobian Morgan and can he go out there and face uh, a good defense on Saturday against Boston College. Yeah, I mean, the bottom line is this. Jacoby and Morgan went out there and was put in a situation to succeed. There's no denying that. It was a seven-on-seven seven type of setting is what Dino even dumbed it down to. That's maybe a little bit uh, crazy in my eyes or a little bit too much, but I get it. It was a situation where he had the opportunity to shine. However, he couldn't have really done any better with it. So Yeah, I think the only thing that's left to be desired was a deep ball somewhere thrown right. in there, but he wasn't even given that chance. Yeah, so you go 7-for-7, seven seven, you throw a touchdown, you lead a drive, you hit a tight end, which Dino did say that tight end pass is one that he thinks could be replicated and you could take something from. But you're right, I mean, this play press conference. That he had, and, and honestly, that was my favorite play of the game, too. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, that... That just looked decisive, and that's what we talked about a lot with the problems at quarterback for Syracuse for the past couple of years is not having instincts and not having the natural decisiveness that we would like to see. So Morgan showed some of that. Whether he can do it when the stakes are a little bit higher remains to be seen. I will say Dino's press conference, I wish there was news. It seems like there really wasn't much news. Basically everything he said on Sunday he kind of regurgitated in a slightly different manner. 
And then he made sure to clarify that in a lot of instances, he just does not want to divulge much information because he believes that's tipping their hand and giving an advantage and I get to that. the opposing coach. Yeah, but there were a couple things that maybe I'm looking too deep into them. And maybe here, I'm going to give you a Dino statement, what I think of it, and you tell me if I'm looking too deep into it, all right? Okay. So he says, Jacobian did what he was supposed to do. Isn't that more than what Rex has done? Like, Rex has not done what he's supposed to do. Jacobian did do what he was supposed to do. Was that maybe a little, not a backhanded uh, attempt at Rex to kind of take down Rex's confidence a peg, but am I looking too too deep into that? Jacobian went out there and did what I he think was supposed you are. to do. D- direct quote from Dino, but Rex has also gone out, and he has not done what he's supposed to do in my eyes. So isn't that edge Jacobian? I think you're looking too deep into that one just from the standpoint that Dino, that's basically as nice as it got in his compliment or lack thereof when he discussed Jacobian. I mean, it was better than what he was given Jacobian on, on Saturday after the game. Yes, that's true. I don't know. I just feel like that was more of a, yeah, guys, you're overreacting. He did what he was supposed to do and not a he did what he was supposed to do, and my other quarterback hasn't been doing that. But you you have a point. I mean, this is why (laughs) quotes can be taken different ways. There's always an underlining message to what someone is saying. In that case, I feel like Dino is playing very coy about this, and it's either he's playing coy because he knows Morgan is the starter and he just does not want to divulge information, or he's just talking like that because that's genuinely how he feels and he feels like us as fans of the program or media members don't know what's going on in practice and don't have a full scope of everything and he feels like he's in a position that is got a little bit more knowledge about what Jacoby and Morgan is right now and where he's at in his process all right so the next one I've got for you here he talked about how Jacoby and Morgan has gotten the most reps among the the freshman backups in practice so far and he also talked about increasing the reps for others and to me that screams he is not confident in rex at all i would agree with that yep and and i think it was interesting to note that at the end of this press conference he said it was very close between dylan markowitz and jacoby and morgan and they will continue to evaluate i think dylan's had his helmet on more than (laughs) jacoby Am yeah. I wrong in that estimation? No, I mean, you're, you're prob- that's probably fair, especially given that it looked like he was going to get in before Jacoby and Morgan. I, I wish someone asked him about that, just that specific occurrence. He probably would have laughed it off, but at least then we'd get the full transparency. And at the off chance that he would say, yeah, Dylan, uh, we thought about him for a second, and then we pulled him back. I mean, that'd be groundbreaking information. My assumption is that it was just dylan in a miscommunication but i don't really know what to assume in that scenario yeah it's certainly uncharted waters okay but doesn't this entire process now it feels like a little bit of a little bit of occam's razor here where sometimes the simplest answer is the best answer and to me that when i look at this quarterback situation now all right if you want to throw rex out there for a couple series go for it but that leash has to be really short at this point. There is zero reason why Jacoby and Morgan shouldn't be getting the bulk of this game. And maybe you give Rex one last opportunity out there to kind of prove it. But if he doesn't do it in those first three series, there is zero reason why Jacoby and Morgan shouldn't be given the keys. Yeah. 
I'm trying to remember when did DeVito get hurt? What game was it? That was they the Duke game. Kind of, mm-hmm. Okay, so it's Duke. So since I, I then, guess technically he also got hurt in the pick game as well. Right. Yeah, but when he was officially out for the year, or you know that type right. of injury. Mm-hmm. So that was Duke. I believe Culpepper came in for a little bit there. I'm trying to remember. And then after that, it's Liberty. And then we had Clemson. And then obviously the game last week against Wake Forest. So what is this now? Going on almost five weeks, about four weeks since the DeVito injury. Right. Which is kind of crazy. But my point there is, shouldn't Jacoby and Morgan be pretty dang close to having the entire playbook and knowing the entire offense and not feeling too worried about throwing him out there and having to sacrifice some plays? I get it takes some time, and he went from basically no reps at all with the number ones to being thrusted into that situation. But this DeVito injury didn't happen last week. I feel like if they went into this week, which they don't have a practice on today when we're talking on Tuesday because right. of Election Day, but that shouldn't alter their schedule too much, according to yeah, Dino. Yeah, because they're practicing Monday to right. yesterday instead of the Tuesday, which they usually have the Monday off. So it's essentially a normal practice week, just flip one day. You have the same amount of time practicing. Why don't we just give Jacoby and all the the number one reps this week? And you can't tell me, I don't think the excuse of him not having the full playbook really applies in against BC. It maybe could apply against Wake Forest. Even that is not really what I want to hear, given how bad Rex was in that game. But if you wanted to, Jacoby and Morgan should be able to be at a position now, given the timetable, where you would feel very confident about the playbook and where he's at. I would at least think, given that you know right now that he has more talent than Rex, and you can just say, okay, this practice week for BC, we're going all in on him. And let me say this too. You could say, okay, Jacoby knows X amount, X percentage of the playbook that he can execute. I don't think X has to be very high. No. Given how good the defense has played, now I know there's some injuries that have dinged them up, but the way that the defense has played, I don't think X has to be very high. Yeah, I mean, the defense hasn't been good, but I, I see what you're saying. Like, <laughs> it, they get a bad knock because how the offense has played. Right, and I think a lot of the reasons why the defense struggles is because they're out there so long because of the fact that the offense is going three and out or interceptions and, and stuff like that, and it's quick turnarounds, and they're gassed by that fourth quarter. And if you can blend together, hopefully we see Sean Tucker this week. If not, I think Cooper Lutz has been serviceable enough as a running back. I mean, you look at, what do you have, 80 yards, uh, 80-something yards against he was good. Wake Forest. And, I mean, you'll take that given the history of the, the recent history of Syracuse running backs. So when I look at all of that, I, I kind of think X doesn't have to be very high. He doesn't need to know a whole lot of the playbook. If he can just master a certain amount of it. And I think you can do that in a week and get it down. But you can have a dumbed-down playbook and still win with Jacoby and Morgan. Or at least play closer games. Right. No, I totally agree. Final thought on Dino's press conference from yesterday. He did say, Tucker, on that note, we'll see how it goes, was his quote. So still not a lot known there. And then uh, guard Dakota Davis, who did play about 10 snaps late in Mm -hmm. In that game, he uh, updated that and said that basically they're trying to get him up to speed in practice this week. But it seems like he could have an increased role against BC. And then going forward, the question mark is 
what do you do with Chris Elmore? Is he going to go off the line, or is it someone else that Davis will be replacing on the line? Hey, with basketball season less than four weeks away now, yeah, you heard that right, hoops right around the corner. That's the perfect reminder that Coors Light is the official beer of watching any sport or team just to drink beer. I know there's no better beer out there to accompany my weekend football watching than Coors Light. And once basketball gets underway, well, that's not going to change either. Coors Light is made to chill, which means when you need a moment to unwind, reach for the beer that's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light's mountain cold refreshment is thanks to being cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged so it arrives to your doorstep ready for a day or night to chill. Coors Light is the beer I choose when I need to hit reset and also what I choose when I want to sit back, relax, and watch my favorite teams and sports. So when you need to unwind, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your doors at get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. So now we talk about the Big Ten ACC Challenge. The schedule finally released. You know, this is my favorite schedule release of the college basketball season. Once you get that Big Ten ACC Challenge matchup, it kind of feels real. It's around the corner. And the Orange has drawn Rutgers, an old Big East foe that they are reconvening with for the upcoming season. Now, when I look at this matchup, I wonder to myself, all right, what does this say about Syracuse? What does this mean about the national perception now of this Syracuse Orange basketball team heading into the year? So you look through all of the matchups, and of course, you've got the marquee ones. You've got North Carolina, Iowa, Illinois, Duke, Florida State, Indiana is another big one, Virginia, Michigan State. It's pretty clear cut who one through four, maybe even one through five are. But where would you rank Syracuse and Rutgers when you look top to bottom at the matchups that have been drawn out? And and where do you kind of see that matchup lining up among the crowd? So to a casual fan, they might look at this and say, oh, Rutgers, like we've fallen as a program. Why are we playing a Big Ten game against them? Why are we going to the rack? A couple things. One, it's because of the times that we're in. And I do think coronavirus played a factor. And this, yeah. we predicted Here, Here's that. what I'll say about that. It looked like they picked five or so marquee matchups, and everything else is pretty regionalized. You're right. I mean, that that seems to be part of the reason is regionally. The other thing is, Rutgers is a good team this year. And right. they were a good team last year. They're bringing back a lot of pieces. This is going would've to be a close to the tournament. Game. Yeah. Yeah, they, they would have snapped their streak of not making a tournament since 1990, 1991, which, yeah, that's not good. But let's talk about the team that is coming or a team that is playing Syracuse this year in the rack, it's a good team. It's a team that's going to be favored over Syracuse, I would say, in all likelihood, barring a major, you know, drastic transformation in any games that the teams play leading up to this. I would say Rutgers is going to be favored and might even be ranked in this matchup. So if you're looking at it and thinking, oh, Rutgers, they have terrible branding. That's just a tough draw for Cuse. They've fallen as a program. You're on to something a little bit because I do think this is a middle-of-the-pack uh, ACC Big Ten Challenge game to answer your question, but it's a good Rutgers team, yeah. and it's a game that Syracuse is going to struggle to win. Honestly, it's a tough matchup. It is definitely a tough matchup, and the way I see it too is okay. There's four really good teams in the Big Ten. The difference five through nine though is razor thin, and and I'm talking about you're looking at nine teams in the Big Ten that may make up the top thirty in college basketball. Yep, I agree. And five through nine all kind of sit between 23 and 30. So you're looking right there at five teams that occupy seven or eight spots in the, the among the, the top 30 teams in, 
in college basketball. So I I do think that regionally is why Rutgers made sense. And that's why I think this game is being put together that way. And I, I don't mind the matchup at all. I think this actually is a good thing for Syracuse. You're going to see a good team. And at the end of the day, this could be a, a good win. I mean, we talk about this all the time, the ESPN bracket challenge resumes. This is one yeah. of those things that it's going to look like a good win, I think, when if Syracuse can pull off a win, of course. But it's going to look like a good win, and it's not going to be a bad loss in, in when you look at the breakdown of these games when, when you're doing your bracket come March. So I don't know. I think that w- with a game like Rutgers, this isn't uh, a detriment or a, a dark cloud on the program. This is actually no. a really good matchup, and I think this is actually going to be a really good game, probably one of the better games that we will see in the upcoming challenge. Yeah, I mean, I'm high on Syracuse this year, but I still think this is a tough matchup considering that Rutgers has lots of defense. They were sixth in Ken Palm in defense last year. They've got a lot of guys that they can throw at you on the perimeter, athletic, skilled, that are good kind of ISO defenders. And obviously that's a lot of Syracuse's offense. Historically, it's been isolation-based uh, ball movement and everything. And then they've got a, a couple front court guys that could present some problems. They have size. Miles Johnson's a center for them. Richard Jr., he averages 13 rebounds per 40 minutes. So he's not that much of a scorer, per se. He's not like a Luka Garza-type problem for you. But he's going to be someone that's going to get boards and could expose what is always a flaw in the 2-3 zone. This is going to be a, a tight game, likely. I think Rutgers, you can make the case that they were bolstered a lot last year based on the rack and the home court advantage. I think they were 18 and one at home really struggled kind of like the rest of the big 10 away from home last year, likely will not have fans almost a guarantee. You will not have fans considering when this game is going to be played. So that kind of bodes well for Syracuse that Rutgers did not play great when they didn't have their home crowd last year. And maybe that could knock them down a little bit this year, but they're a team that's returning a lot of continuity from last year, brings in a good recruiting class. It's a talented Rutgers bunch. I mean, on paper, they're a better team than Syracuse, which is kind of shocking, but that's just the nature of it. And listen, the PR of Rutgers is starting to change. I mean, you look at the money-making sports there. Football team isn't a joke this year. Did you see the crazy play they had against Indiana this week? Oh, that, that was got wild. called back. Yeah. I mean, that, that was an awesome play. Um, even though it did get called back, you never see that play work. Um, I know the, if you, if you don't know what we're talking about, just go look it up on YouTube or Twitter. You'll find it right away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then also, I mean, the basketball team was tournament bound a year ago and very well could be on their way to getting back into the NCAA tournament this year. So I, I don't think this is a dark stain on Syracuse. I know some fans may be bummed out about it and maybe even more bummed out if they are in, in the New York City area and can't travel to this game and go watch it in person and go because I think you would see Syracuse dominate the rack in terms of fan base. Oh, like, what yeah. do you think that split you would. would be? No, it'd be heavy for Cuse. And obviously the last time they were there, Johnny Flynn has that uh, famous poster yeah, dunk. The, the dunk, so, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that what was What do you think awesome. that is, like a 70-30 split, Syracuse? Eh, 60-40 at least, yeah. 60-40, okay. New York City is such a big Syracuse contingency, and that whole area is very Syracuse-infested, not to mention just the sheer population of Syracuse fans compared to Rutgers fans. Now, I mean, I'm just thinking, it reminds me almost of what the BC games are like on the road. Yeah. And those Boston College games, what do you think? 65-35? Mostly. And then by and the second half. And this is even half, more convenient of a trip, I would say. 
70-30, 75-25 maybe. I don't know. I think this could... This, this game would have been a very heavy Syracuse crowd. It would have. That's a good point, for sure. All right, quick break to tell you guys about the best workout gel on the market, the best energy gel on the market. That is Built Go by the same people who brought you Built Bar, one of our other favorite products here. Built Go is like a five-hour energy without the same crash feeling, plus it's natural, so it's better for your body in general. Kind of like drinking a monster drink, just a third of the caffeine and better results. It comes in three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and chocolate mint. Built Go is a healthy replacement for your energy drink, but the energy is not fake. It's lasting and it's natural. Visit BuiltGo.com. Use our promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, use our promo code LOCKED, all one word, for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Let's get into our final topic of the day, and that is the Dior Johnson news, that he has finally found himself a school. Of course, Dior Johnson, the five-star point guard in the class of 2022, that is verbally committed to Syracuse right now. And actually, we have to hand out a point now in the Syracuse scoop standings because one of our friends, Connor Morissette, who works now out at Scorebook Live out in California, he was the one who dug up the scoop, got the confirmation from Centennial that... Dior Johnson will be heading. So, Connor Morissette, welcome to the scoop standings. So, we're awarding that point now. We've got Anthony DeBundo with a pair of points. Goody's got one, and then you've got Connor Morissette now with one. So, I'm not missing any there, am I? I've, no, I think I've you're got on these there. Written and... Down right here. Uh, yeah, we're looking all good there, all squared away. But yeah, does this change anything for you in terms of? We always talk about our Dior meters where they're at. Again, you and I have, I don't think we've ever wavered above 50% in terms of we think he's coming. I believe the last time we checked in, we were at like a 25, maybe 30%. I think I was 35 last time. Were you 35? Okay. Then I was at 30 last time, I believe. Yeah. You got to be lower than me. You you always have been. (laughs) Yeah. Does this change anything in your eyes? I'd say it's now like 32. (laughs) Can I do that? I mean, that's kind of a weird number. I don't think it really changes much. I would say it's good, I guess. So maybe I shouldn't even drop it because he's going to a school that I think could be a good fit for him. And also he's just flat out going to a school that a little bit of doubt around that, I think, considering that we have heard some rumblings about his academic standing and and that Syracuse was worried about would he be academically eligible. Pretty shocking, though, I was thinking about it, that I'm throwing out a number of 32 35 we'll, we'll call it 35 I'll, I'll stay put at 35 percent on my dior meter that's my number and what was it maybe a month a month and a half ago that he told syracuse.com quote i am coming to syracuse and definitively responded to an answer uh from right. one of the post-standard writers like pretty amazing that despite that we're still below 50 percent. i don't know what that really says it just tells you that this has been some turbulent times for him how much is it the landscape of how college basketball is and the the constant pressure you're seeing from the G League with elite talent, and how much of it is your scar being shown from Darius Baisley? I mean, the easy answer is it's a combination of both. I think for him, the G League is definitely becoming more and more of a thought and more appealing given the nature of how recruits are doing that more likely. And then also that he has been bouncing around from school to school and doesn't seem to have a a firm 
grass. Now, maybe that changed with this. Hopefully, this new school is just going to be the school, and he stays there the rest of the way. But I don't love that I've seen him bounce around to all these schools because if, if you're talking about a player that committed to Syracuse like Benny Williams and it's just kind of been put in one spot and it's been being groomed in that spot you feel and now just he's at IMG better. yeah yeah but that's kind right. of a different situation right you would just feel better about like the type of person and his commitment level to the school considering that he hasn't wavered in his commitment level to another obviously a high school which is different but still I would say this if he's playing college basketball, he's playing for Syracuse. Are we in agreement with that? Like, yes, totally if you had to in agreement say, there. Like, it, I, there's the the whole like no, no school, and you take that out of the equation. It's a hundred percent Syracuse, I think. Yep, and like, I he's think not he's not going to be swayed by a Kentucky or a Duke or something like that. I think he's right. also already putting way too much legwork with Syracuse to even consider something else like that. Yeah. And he's been steadfast in that from the beginning, that it would be 100% Syracuse if he goes to college. So this new school, Corona Centennial, I've been talking with some people out in California, trying to get a gauge of what they are like there. And basically, this could be a perfect fit for him. So I asked you, what does this do for your Dior meter? And you said it really doesn't do much. To me... This is either going to explode me to 75% or it's going to tank me to zero. And here's why. Because of the way that this Corona Centennial program is run, very team-oriented, very stringent, very uh, defensive-minded and everything. It's like one of those old school, I feel like I'm talking about an Indiana high school basketball team right now in the way I'm describing this. But basically, their coach isn't going to put up with any BS. And I think in some of these other spots where... Dior has been like a Mayfair. He's been able to get away with a lot because of how good he is. But I think now you're looking at a team that now that they've added Dior, apparently they could be one of the best in all of California high school basketball with the addition of Dior. I mean, he's a guy to, um, he could play against Bronny James in the playoffs as well, the way that the California high school system is set up. So that's that, that, of course, would probably be one of those ESPNU games. So you'd actually be able to watch that on television. But when I hear stuff like that, how he's kind of gotten away with a lot of BS from all of his previous stops and basically the buck stops here, if he transfers out of here, I think that kind of says to me, all right, this experiment is probably not going to work at the next level in college. Take me to the pros. Take me to my money. And I can't knock the kid for that because, yeah, I w- to be honest, I would like agree. if I'm in that situation, think think about you and your own personal situation. I'm probably taking that. Are yeah, you? I mean, this is kind of the last straw. To your point, if if it's another school yeah. after this, that's that's getting kind of ridiculous. I'm ir- no, I think it's maybe know. a little different if it if it's like an IMG or something like that, or he tries out another one of these mega prep schools. Hasn't he already? I can't even keep track. I think he's already gone to IMG. To right? IMG, what was? You know, I think now that you say that, I think you're right. But yeah. <laughs> there's been so many. It's I just mean, what yeah. is this? Six, like, seven? We're, yeah, we're we're losing brain cells trying to calculate all of it. Um, but just basically what what I'm trying to get at here is this is make or break with this school. If he fits in, if he can kind of play underneath this coach's system and get everything going here, this could be the thing that takes me over the top with him and says, okay. I think he might come and play for Syracuse. But right now I'm still I'm still in the backseat of this van. 
and yeah. I'm not I'm not ready to to move up into the driver's seat and and say all right I'm not I'm not printing any Dior Johnson jerseys yet. Yeah, and by the way, if you want to jump in on the Dior meter, the kind of fun hypothetical game here that is obviously sort of foolish, but we relish it. Just tweet at us, and, and we'd love to hear from you guys. Like, at LO underscore Syracuse, give us a percentage. Give us your thoughts on why he might not come, why he would come, whatever way you're leaning. Because I'm interested to know what the Syracuse fan base as a whole, what their percentage would be. Obviously, there's some biased fans that would probably be tilted towards being optimistic, but I, I wonder if they would be much higher than where we're at right now. Yeah, it'll be fun too to see him out of this sort of AAU setting because yes, Dior Johnson's a crazy talent. All right, there's no denying that. I mean, he's going to be one of the in terms of pure talent coming to Syracuse. He's right up there with Carmelo Anthony. Like that's how good this kid is. Now, can we see it? Can we see it develop? Because he's a fantastic passer. I mean, and he'll let you know that too. Loves to pass that rock too. <laughs> Loves to pass the rock. Yep. But. Can he do it now? Can he fit in with a team? And maybe that's something that we haven't seen necessarily work so far. And that's what I'm looking forward to most, I think. Can he fit in? And if he does it here in what seems like a very, I won't say it's like a a, a Syracuse parallel to high school, but it's got like just a college basketball feel, at least from the things that I hear about how Corona Centennial is run. So if if he fits here, this could be it. This could be the thing that takes me over the top. And hopefully, yeah, I, I love hopefully hearing it is. Hopefully this works thoughts. out because if he can buy into this whole team mentality, I think that would bode really well for the Orange. All right, tomorrow on the show, we are going to dive into Barama Sidibe because this is a guy who kind of, even though he is going to have that extra year now if he wants to take it, we saw him ascend at the end of last year. Can he keep it up? Can he sustain it here? Because he could be that make-or-break player for Syracuse that could ultimately get him in get this orange team into the tournament. So we will do that. And also some interesting notes on football recruiting as well. Dino Babers addressed it in his press conference. Nate Mink wrote a fantastic story. Actually, it was an interview from a week ago. And so we'll address all of that coming up tomorrow. So for Tim, I'm Tyler. We will talk to you guys on Wednesday. Oh.